John in chapter 20. Let's go ahead and stand together in reverence to the Word of God. We're going to read two verses from John in chapter 20. John chapter 20, and we'll pick up, uh, read the last two verses together. The Bible says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Let's pray. Father, come to you uh, this morning, and Lord, I, I pray that the message today, Father, would be, be a help, uh, Lord, to, to those who are yours. Lord, it would be a, 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 con, a conviction, a, a mighty conviction upon those who do not believe. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be strengthened, and Father, that our faith in you would be greater. Lord, I pray that we'd walk out of this building today rejoicing in the simple fact that we have a Savior and that we have a hope uh, for all eternity. What a blessing, what a privilege it is to be called a child of God. And Father, I pray that we'd, we'd not take that lightly. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the lives and in the hearts of these people today. And Father, I pray most of all that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and that he would be edified. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, let me ask you a quick favor here, and that's to turn off your cell phones, all right? I know we've had, a, it seems like the last couple of weeks, we've had cell phones going off left and right, and so just help me out by turning them off, and if, you, if they go off after this point, you owe me a pizza from Pizza Hut, all right? Yeah, don't laugh at me, I'm dead serious, all right? I will get you, I will find you out, and I will get that pizza, all right? And so, uh, and deacons, I'll share it with you, so you help me, okay? I mean that, all right, very good. John chapter 20 and verse 30, it gives us the reason John's gospel was written. Verse 30, it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. If you've got your Bibles with me, now jump over to the book of 1 John. 1 John in chapter 5. Again, I mentioned to you last Sunday that um, I have been infatuated to a certain extent with the Gospel of John and especially with the first epistle of John. 1 John in chapter 5, verse number 12. In fact, let's, let's go to verse number 10. Verse number 10. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Gospel of John and the first epistle of John have many similarities. Um, the Gospel of John is written so that we might believe. The epistle of 1 John is written so that we may know that we have believed and whom we have believed on. And you'll see there a beautiful thing. In, in, in the Gospel of John, we have salvation. In, in the Epistle of John, we have the assurance 
of salvation. And folks, I'll be very honest with you. I can think of no more important topic in all of humanity than these topics that John discusses. And he discusses them in great detail. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to jump back just a couple pages. Now, we've seen the reason that the Gospel of John was written. It was written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that might, by believing, we might have life or eternal life through His name. And then in 1 John 5, we are written so that we may know that we have eternal life. In 1 John in chapter 1, and this is <clears throat> just beautiful to me, 1 John in chapter 1, and then we're going to jump to John in chapter 1, the Gospel of John in chapter 1, and that will be used as our text this morning. But 1 John in chapter 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father... And was manifested unto us. Now I hope you are listening and paying attention. And folks, let me tell you this morning. This morning I'm not, I'm not going to try to entertain you. I'm not even going to try to tickle your ears. I'm not going to try to, to be dynamic in the sense that this, what we're talking about this morning is, is, is very powerful. What we're talking about this morning, if you will grab hold of it, will grab hold of your heart, and it'll do something within you that is far greater than any cute story or silly illustration I could share with you today. And I need you to pay attention. I believe that you're a smart crowd. Amen? I may have over-assumed, but I, I believe that you are a, an intelligent crowd this morning, and I need you to stay with me on this. And again, I believe that if you do, that you'll see some things scripturally. Now, 1 John in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we are introduced to the word of life. And the Bible tells us in verse 2 that that life, the end of the verse, was manifested unto us. Now take your Bibles to John in chapter 1, the Gospel of John in chapter 1. John in chapter 1, verse 1, and very famous passage of Scripture, but it opens up with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, verses 3 down through 13 are somewhat parenthetical in nature. If you will go with me to verse 14, you'll find a verse that is very similar to 1 John in chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We see that the Word was manifested unto us. And what a beautiful thing that is. And this morning, I want to focus on Jesus Christ. I want, to keep, I want to keep Jesus the reason. He's not the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason. And I want you to grasp the importance of that. The Gospel of John and the Epistles of John were written very closely, chronologically speaking, together. They were written approximately 55 to 60 years after the death of Christ. An interesting side note here is the Gospel of John was the last of the four Gospels that were penned, humanly speaking. At that time, much as today, the claims of Christ and Christianity were under attack. John wrote his Gospel and his first epistle under the inspiration, of course, of the Holy Spirit, but he wrote them to defend the faith and to set the record straight. You see, the Apostle John, of all men, 
was the most able man to write these books. You see, John had been with Jesus from the beginning of his earthly ministry. He had been the closest disciple to Christ. He is referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved multiple times during the life of Christ. He had also been assigned the duty of caring for Mary, the mother of Jesus, after the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. You see, John was intimately aware of every detail concerning Christ, or at least as aware as any living man could be. Several things about John's gospel stick out. First of all, many of the synoptic gospels, and that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's a fancy word, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those miracles are not recorded in the gospel of John. And again, I believe the reason is very plain. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, the gospel of John was written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You see, John's gospel is not written to confirm disciples as much as it is written seeking converts. The second thing that is peculiar to the gospel of John is where it begins. Matthew and Luke begin with the birth narrative of Christ. The book of Mark begins with the life of Christ. But John's gospel and his first epistle begin with the preexistent Christ. And this morning, I seek to emphasize not the birth of Jesus, but rather the pre-existent Christ, or more ac accurately put, the ever-existent Christ. You see, John knew the details of the birth of the life of Christ better than any man did. You see, John took care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. There was no greater knowledge as far as mankind was concerned about the birth of Christ than Jesus' mother, yes? John got the dirty details about the birth of Jesus. He understood that, but I want to say this, instead of starting there, he goes beyond that beginning point of his earthly manifestation and goes to the eternal, everlasting word that was from the beginning. Now, you have three options to consider this morning. And folks, the, the, this has been on my heart for months now, and I, I, I've been trying to put it on paper, and I have written out much of the sermon this morning. I want you, again, I, I really believe if you stay with me, I believe that this will do something for you if you're a born-again Christian. If you are not a born-again Christian, and heaven is not your home, and Christ is not your Savior, I am praying by the grace of God that you will grasp the importance and the plain speech here of an apostle who understood Christ. But you have three options to consider concerning John. Number one, you have the option to consider that John was a flat-out liar and that what he wrote was to deceive. Secondly, you have the option to believe that John was a lunatic, that he imagined what he wrote. Third, you have the option that John is actually telling the truth. And this morning, that's what I seek to show to you and to do my best to prove. In John in chapter 1, in verse 1, the first three words are what? All right, let's try that one more time. Wake up, all right, shake the cobwebs out. Christmas is over, New Year's coming. In John in chapter 1, verse 1, the first three words are? Okay, in the beginning. In the beginning. And in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, we have that which was from the beginning. Of course, this should 
take us back, and it was given for this purpose, to take us back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning. You see, these two phrases in the Gospel of John and in the Epistle of John are meant to take us back to that point, to the beginning of what we know. And that, this morning, is where we'll begin. The pre-existent person of Christ. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word, in the Greek, is the term logos. Logos to the Jew was an expression or a declaration. In John in chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says this, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Jesus Christ was the declaration or the expression of God. We refer to Jesus, or Matthew does, as Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. To the Greek, the word logos meant a thought or a concept. To the thinker, it is meant to challenge them. This morning, I want to look at three aspects, and I want to look primarily at John chapter 1 and verse number 1. John writes, number one, to proclaim the person of Christ. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. You see, today in towns and villages all over our country, there are arguments over whether the manger scene in the public square should be there or not. We have arguments over whether it's a Christmas tree or a holiday tree. And my friend, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't believe that the apostles would have much cared about whether this was true or not. You see, they had more important things on their mind. And please don't misunderstand. I'm I'm not saying that those things are wrong to be concerned with. But let's be honest. You see, today we have people who will not argue or or who will argue about a creche in a manger scene, but who will not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And John opens his gospel with these words, in the beginning was the word. John wrote to proclaim the eternal personhood of Christ. Jesus Christ always has and always will exist as God the Son. He was never an angel. He was never a man who became exalted, who achieved godhood. He was never created. He always was. I've heard it written, there was never a time when he was not. There are those who say he was just a babe in a manger, but that is not what John writes in his gospel. He writes, in the beginning was the word. You see, in the Greek, the term, the tenses of John are masterful, and I want to seek to explain that. In John in chapter 1 and verse 1, the tense is imperfect, which in the Greek, and we don't have this necessarily in the English language, but it shows unfinished action. It says, he was the word. He was with God. He was God in the sense that there was never a time when he was not. That's what it implies. But you jump down to verse number 14, and it says, And the Word was made flesh. That is written in what the Greek is called the aorist or the punctiliar tense. And that means that in a moment of time, He became. You see, what it means is while John declares in verse 14 that Jesus became a babe in a manger at a specific time, John never takes away from the fact that Jesus always was. Now folks, I hope you understand. See, and this is, this is why I, br- I, I brought those three options to you. Because you have to look at this 
writing, you have to look at this word and you have to say, number one, the guy's a flat-out liar and he seeks to deceive. Number two, he's a lunatic and he's imagined these things. Or number three, he is telling me the truth and trying to get me to convert to Christianity. You see, John writes to proclaim the person of Christ. Secondly, and we see this in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word and the word was what? With God. John writes to proclaim the personality of Christ. The Word, the Bible says, was with God. It doesn't say the Word just was God. It says before that, it says the Word was with God. That means that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are separate in personality from God the Son. You do understand that there is a cult out there today. There are the Muslims, and they seek to destroy Christianity or all unbelievers, according to their faith, who believe in only one God. They do not believe in the personality of the Word. And my friend, you and I need to understand what is taking place. You see, most, not, not most, many cultures today and many denominations today are seeking to destroy the personality of Christ. The Bible says... The word was with God. In the Greek, that is protos theon. It can also mean towards. Jesus was and is God the Son. When Jesus came to earth, and I want you to understand this, he separated himself from the Father as he had never, as had never been done before. From eternity past, they had never been separated. They had always been in divine fellowship. And now Jesus takes upon himself the form of a man and humbles himself and limits himself and comes to earth to live here for 33 years. Jesus was known for his prayer life. Of all things that Jesus' disciples wanted taught to them, it was, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us to preach, teach us to witness, teach us to this, teach us to work miracles. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, Jesus, when he would pray, would have divine fellowship with his Father. You see, up till this point, they had been toward one another, but no longer was this the case. As Jesus prayed, his heart yearned to be with his Father. In John in chapter 17 and verse 5, the intercessory, the high priestly prayer, it says, And now, O Father, glorify thou, uh, thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had before the world was. You see, folks, what I'm seeking to try to get you today to understand is that in the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ was a person. There is the person of Christ, the person of the Word. But secondly, we have the personality of the Word. There, there, is, there is something about Jesus. He, he was separate from God the Father. He was separate from God the Holy Spirit. But thirdly this morning, John writes to proclaim the deity of Christ. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Was God. Who is He? Who is He this morning? Well, He's God. Who was Jesus? He was the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He was deity. You see, John did not write his gospel to show us the life of Jesus, but to challenge us to accept Jesus as the Christ, and by doing that, we can gain eternal life through his name. You see, today, some of you ask, Pastor, do you, do you, really, do you really believe that? Yes, I do. Do you, do, you believe, do, you, do you believe all those miracles that are recorded in the Word? Yes, I do. I believe that every single word 
was given by the inspiration of God. And I believe that every single word was put there by God Almighty so that we might become followers of Jesus Christ. I'm amazed at how many today challenge the authenticity of God's word. They challenge the truth and they say, well, well we, just, we choose to believe the parts that we want and we seek to deny the parts that we don't believe. My friend, you cannot deny Jesus being the Christ and have eternal life. And we need to understand that. We have allowed false religion to enter into to the, the, the houses that are, are what we call of God and to teach false doctrine and to say you can believe this or you can believe that or you can believe man's word. But my friend, what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is we have to believe that what the Apostle John writes in John in chapter 1 and verse 1 is the truth. Jesus Christ was a person pre-existent. Jesus Christ had a divine personality. Yes, He was God, but He was God the Son and He was in flesh. You look at John in chapter 2 and you find the miracle of Cana. Jesus changed water into wine. You find later in John chapter 2 that He cleanses the temple. In John in chapter 3, we find Jesus with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a learned, educated, spiritual scholar and says... Tell me something. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus looks and says, I, I don't understand, I don't comprehend. And my friend, this is the problem. We have multiple religions today who when you get to John chapter 3 and they read, you must be born again, they say, oh, how quaint. <laughs> I mean, they look at us and say, oh, you Baptists, all you are is you must be born again, you must be born again, that salvation nonsense. Why don't you get off it and get my mic's dead, is because that my friend, we understand that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That is the most important thing that you and I can ever hope to believe or ever hope to seek to pass on. In the beginning was the Word. John wrote this gospel to get you and I to seek to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And today there are people who grace the doors of so-called modern Christianity and do not believe that. And may I say to you, my friend, that Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before God the Father. Oh, oh, I mean, don't you think as long as people are sincere, brother, they're sincerely lost. Get off it. I'm weary of people trying to give others a pass. Years ago, Mr. Joel Osteen on the Larry King Live show refused to take a stand on the gospel and said as long as everybody's sincere in what they believe, I really believe they'll see God. That is not what John wrote. John said you believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that is the only way to have life in his name. That bothers some of us, doesn't it? Oh, ha, ha, can you take a strong stand? Because that's what the Apostle John did. The Apostle John, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, beautiful illustration though, late in his life, and it's given to us by, by, one, of his, by one of his followers, but John was going to take a bath in a bathhouse. And John comes running out of that bathhouse, screaming, get out, get out, that's about to cave in because the heretic Corinthus is inside. Well, who is Corinthus? He's a man that denied the virgin birth of Christ. And John said, I'm out of here, man. 
God might cause that place to fall into pieces because he believes heresy. And yet today, in modern Christianity, we have allowed Jesus Christ to absolutely to be crucified of flesh, and the doctrine of Christ has been flat out denied. And yet we've done nothing. John chapter 3, he must be born again, amen? John chapter 4, we have the, the Samaritan woman getting saved, and we have the, 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 the water of life. In John chapter 5, we have the healing of the lame man. In John chapter 6, we have the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the sea. And you say, oh, how do you expect me to believe all that? Can I ask you this? If Jesus was who he claimed to be, what else would a God do? Pray tell me. I mean, we say, oh, well, I mean, that's kind of fantastic. You better believe it's fantastic. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If Jesus is who John said he is, then my friend, if he didn't do those things, he would be denying himself. Today I want us to step back for a moment and consider Christ. You see, as a believer today, do you see the person of Christ? Do you see the personality of Christ? Do you see the deity of Christ? Or have you lost the wonder of it all? And I'm not saying you lost your salvation. But my friend, i got to be honest with you. I can't get past John chapter 1 and verse 1 in my thoughts and haven't been able to now for two months. I look at that and I just marvel in the simple fact that John says, I dare you to question me on this. He said, I've written an entire gospel. I've written my entire first epistle to prove this simple fact. And you either have to prove that I'm a liar, that I'm crazy, or I'm telling you the truth. And John says, I challenge you. And this morning, Christian, I challenge you with the word of God. And we blatantly, we just flippantly read through the Bible. We say, well, I don't see it. I don't see it. Then you're not reading it. Christian, you claim to be born again. You claim to be a child of God. You claim that Jesus is the Christ. Have you lost the wonder of it? That truth, man, next week I start my 14th year of ministry here. And I got to tell you something. I pray I never get over the simple fact that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I hope I never get too mature and too grown up to say the fact that Jesus Christ came into my heart when I asked him to be my Savior. And he lives there and he's going to be there for all eternity. And my friend, I have that promise because of this book. And I look at that, and folks, I wonder, as we sit in our seats, and, and we're, so, we're so serious, and we're so bored, and we're so just, oh, just get the sermon over so we can get a good seat at coaches. And I wonder, Christian, have you lost it? See, Jesus, from the beginning, was the Word. In both John's Gospel and in John's first epistle, he does not introduce him as Jesus or Christ. He introduces him as the pre-existent, ever-existent word. He challenges the cults and the false religions of that day as well as today's. And i got to be honest with you, most false religions, if they were honest, would never ever be able to get past John chapter 1, verse number 1, because the truth of Christ is evident. People say, well, I don't believe that that was the word. The word was Jesus. Then you aren't reading the Bible. Go to verse 14. 
You see, God made it so abundantly plain, and yet many today reject it. And my friend this morning, as a believer, do you see Christ? Do you see Christ? You see, first John says, we shall know him, or, or we, we, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I wonder today, Christian, in our lives, are we seeing him as he is? Or have we relegated him one day a year to be a babe in a manger and have said, well, isn't that cute and isn't that sweet? And oh my, that's so nice. Or have we said, he is the word that existed from the beginning? And I would challenge you today, Christian, to grasp hold of that. Because when false religion and false doctrine, they say, oh, we, we got this teaching, or we got this teaching, or we got this money, or we got this doctrine, you will look at them and say, no, I'm going to stick with Christ because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. I can't get past that. And my friend, in your life today, there needs to come a point where you can't get past that. Too many of us have grown so bored with God's word that nothing awakens our mind to its truth. We've grown so tired and we say, I've heard that message before. I've heard that preached on before. I've heard that truth before. Then my friend, why don't you rejoice and praise God over it? Man, today, I know that those loved ones who claim Christ and have died before me are today with my Savior. Because he, from the beginning, was the Word. And yet, in many of our lives, that does nothing. Nothing. It's not even a blip on the radar. We just skip right over that. And my friend, I want to challenge you as a believer today to see Christ to see the person, to see the personality, to see the deity, and to grab hold of who he is once again. For a moment, I want to talk to you that are unbelievers in here today. John wrote his gospel primarily for you so that you might believe. You say, well, I believe, I believe what, you know, a lot of what Jesus says. Or I believe this, or I believe that, and that's, that's good and well. You, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Well, I can't. I, that's, that's, that's a little powerful question. But, but, I, but I believe that I'm a Christian. I didn't ask you that. I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Well, well, I mean, I, I mean, let's be serious here. I mean, that's a pretty fantastic thing to believe. It is. Yes, it is. I would not dispute that with you. It's probably the most fantastic thing I've ever believed. And I use fantastic in many different ways. But my friend, it is something that in your mind you have to say that Jesus is exactly who God said he is or he is nothing. You can't play the game. I've talked to people. I believe that Jesus was a great teacher, but he could not be Christ. Then he was the biggest heretic to ever walk the face of the planet. Because in almost every single dissertation in the Gospels, he said, I am the Christ. And how can you be a good teacher when you're a big liar? I know Benny Hens made a good living at it, but other than that, I can't think anything else. I know some of you love Brother Benny. Smacking the forehead, that's all right, you'll get over it. Folks, I'm amazed at us. I really am. But if you're an unbeliever today, John wrote this gospel for you. 
He wrote it so that you would be a born-again believer. How? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really? Yeah, really. Because my friend, without that hope that we have in Christ, the only hope you have is the lake of fire. You say, well, I don't believe we're eternal. I don't care what you believe. That's what God's word says. Well, I, 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 I don't believe in this religious nonsense. You don't have to believe in this religious nonsense. It's staring you straight in the face and you know it. Wednesday night, I mentioned the fact, it amazes me how atheists, you know what atheists do? They seek to destroy religion. If you don't believe in a God, leave him alone. Okay? I mean, seriously. If you don't believe he's a threat, if you don't believe he exists, then leave it alone. You gain nothing by trying to destroy Christ if you don't believe that he is. Let it go. But they can't. You know why they can't? Because deep inside their heart beats something. And it's a God-shaped hole inside of them. And it says, what will you do with Christ? Pilate couldn't get away from it. Neither could Herod. And neither can you. And as an unbeliever this morning, this gospel is written so that you might believe. My friend, would you do so today? If you've never accepted Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, what in the world are you waiting on? And Christian, you claim it. Does it grip your heart? I mean, here's John, the aged apostle, beating it out of that bathhouse. Can't you imagine, John? Get out of here! This old man, the apostle of love. It is. It makes me laugh. You know, John was the apostle of love. He never said a negative thing. Have you read 1 John? I mean, I was talking to my brother the other day. 1 John. John, honestly, if you were standing face to face with John, John would just stand there and just go, are you saved? Huh? Just slap you right in the face and say, are you born again? I mean, you read that epistle, and that epistle says, hey, if you don't do this, you're not saved. And John challenges your salvation. How dare you? You're supposed to be the apostle of love. Don't say anything negative. Don't say anything that would make me think. John says, I'm after something important here, and I desire to see you converted to Christ and to know it. And my friend today, I wonder. You say, well, I, I hope I am. Don't hope you're, so, don't hope you're born again. Know it. Know it. Because the Bible says it. And the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the person of Christ. And the Word was with God, the personality of Christ. And the Word was God, the deity of Christ. And my friend today, do you believe, as John wrote, that he is the Christ? the Son of God. If you do, the Bible says that by believing on his name, you have life and life eternal. My friend, I challenge you with that thought today. It has gripped my heart, and I pray to God it never stops gripping my heart because it is, it is the absolute pinnacle of everything we believe. Jesus is the Christ. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. <laughs>
Folks, I look today, and I, I look at a sea of faces. I can't tell who's a believer and who's not a believer. I can't tell who's born again and who's not born again. The only one that knows about you for certain is you. My friend, if you're sitting here today, and you say, well, I don't know, maybe if you will not confess that Jesus is the Christ, if you do not believe the record, as 1 John said, that God gave of his son, then the answer is no, and don't play games. If you have accepted Christ, does the truth of the word of God about your Savior grip your heart? And if it doesn't, why? I love the simple fact that Jesus is my Savior. Because I believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. What a powerful, powerful promise from God. And friend, I challenge you, Christian, have you lost the wonder? And my friend, if you're unsaved today, please, during the invitation... Just come down front. I'll not embarrass you. But I will show you from God's word how you can and how you must, as Jesus said, be born again. Shook Nicodemus' world. His religion mattered nothing. Christ was everything. And friend, today, if you're without a Savior, would you please today get that taken care of? As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. My friend, today, Christian, be a testimony of your Savior. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ. One day, to the glory of God the Father, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is. And you'll have no choice. My friend, confess it today. Christian, confess it. Confess it. Be bold. Our world needs to be shaken to its core. 
And my friend, the only answer when they're shaken is Jesus. I hope I don't steal Dad's thunder, Mom. Last night, my father went out and talked to my aunt, lives in Wazika. Georgine is 90. 90. I, we've prayed for her salvation as long as I can remember, as long as I've been alive. She used to come years ago when she was able to our Christmas programs, if I remember, or our awards nights. I can't, I can't remember which one. Catholic is the day is long, man. I mean, she, she's, if there's anybody in her will, it's the Catholic Church and Mother Mary. Last night, my father got the chance, and he's witness to her time and time and time again. But last night, a 90-year-old lady accepted Jesus as the Christ. And she took her faith out of the Catholic Church and put it in Christ. You see, that's a big step for somebody like that. It is. It's a huge step. But praise God. And my friend, I wonder tonight, or this morning, I wonder, are we professing that Jesus is the Christ? The world is looking. And what do they see? I pray that they see some people in their lives and in their community, in their neighborhood, that have the answer. Don't we? I said, don't we? Because yes. we do. We, we, well, 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 you know, I hope they find it. God put you there for them to find it. You're the lights that are to be burning, shining. And Christian, I want to challenge you today. Jesus is the Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If that message in this church ever changes, I hope God shuts the doors and burns the building down himself. Because that right there is everything. And friend, this morning, don't you leave without knowing for sure that heaven is your home. Because Jesus is the Christ. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother Leo, why don't you dismiss us?